Welcome back to MarTech Zone interviews on on the line today. I have longtime friend of mine, Jason Falls, on the line. Jason has come out with a new book called Winfluence on influencer marketing, and we're going to be talking everything about influencer marketing here. This is MarTech Interviews, a podcast from DK New Media, publishers of MarTech, the leading publication for sales and marketing professionals to research, discover, and learn how technology is driving business results. Your host is Douglas Carr. Welcome back, everybody, to MarTech Zone Interviews. On today's show, I have longtime friend. Boy, we're old, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we're we're a lot more gray now than we were back then, weren't aren't we? <laughs> yeah, I have Jason falls on Jason. Uh, man, this is awesome. It's it's going to be great to catch up with you uh, on this. And and for people that don't know Jason, uh, well, if you're in the marketing realm, you've you've probably heard of Jason. Uh, the reason why I I really appreciate and respect uh, Jason's wisdom and thought leadership is because Jason has sat on just about every side of the table. So uh, from, you know, obviously speaker uh, to consultant, to agency owner, to publisher, uh, to, uh, I think you even worked for a software vendor at one time. I've done a lot of consulting with software vendors, but I I did work for Cafe Press. So I was on the brand side too. So yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, that, that just lends itself to incredible credibility just because uh, I, I'm always weary of people that are, um, um, I, I, I mean, I love some of the speakers out there. I'm not talking ill of anybody, but if you're making, if you're making a, you know, if you're making bank by educating and, and speaking all year long, I think sometimes you miss some of the internal problems and challenges that they have within an organization, right? Yeah, I think that's true. And it's it's kind of funny. I have been I have played a lot of roles over the course of the last 15 years or so. And that either means I've got a lot of experience or I can't hold a job. So um, <laughs> I'd like to think the it's the former, not the latter. Well, some of it, too, is, you know, the boredom, right? What's, what's like building is fun. Yeah, that's but, true. But, I, but maintaining isn't as exciting for some some entrepreneurs. Well, that's very true. And, I, you know, I think, you know, I, I had built a really nice, you know, small boutique agency in Social Media Explorer back in 2014. And I had a business partner and we were growing. I was doing kind of our information products and our events. And she was kind of building out the agency side of the business. And Cafe Press came along and said, you know, we'd, we'd like some help. And I said, OK, let me get my business partner and we'll come scope something out. And they're like, no, you don't understand. We don't we don't we don't want to hire Social Media Explorer, we want to hire you. And I was just excited about the prospect of kind of going and getting a PhD almost in e-commerce because I hadn't, you know, worked with a big e-commerce brand like that before. And so that kind of opened up a door. And then that, you know, two, three years later opened up another door. And so I've just kind of navigated my way through these really fun opportunities to just learn and grow and get experience and try new things. And you're right, you know, after a couple of years and you've kind of got things set in the right direction, you know, you have to challenge yourself to keep, you know, creating something new in the same place. I, I have a, had a tendency for a while there to constantly look at the next opportunity. I think I've gotten a little older, a little bit more, you know, wise and, and, and patient, and I want to build something for a longer term here at Cornette. But at the same time, yeah, for a while there, it was like, okay, I've done this for three years. Now let's go do something different. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of companies, um, maybe make a mistake of thinking that, uh, it's the same people that'll grow a company, that will start a company that will maintain a company. Like sometimes it does take different people and chain and turnover is a natural process. I think within a a company's evolution. 
That's true. And I think it's also good for, for those of you out there who are entrepreneurs who are starting your own company. At some point, your company is going to outgrow you. Yeah. Um, and, and you're going to need to turn over the reins to someone. If it gets big enough, if you're if very successful and you get to the point to where you're talking about IPOs and public trade, there's a lot of founders and a lot of, of entrepreneurs who step aside and let somebody who's got experience moving that train, a, big, a bigger train, uh, you know, step into that CEO role or the CFO role or something like that. So keep that in mind because at some point, you know, you, you're going to reach your capacity of what you can do. And in order to let the company go forward, you've got to not necessarily step aside and not be associated with the company, but find a different role and, and, yeah. and play the role that you're really good at. Yeah. I, I hate, I hated running an agency. <laughs> <laughs> and it was because 90% of it was the business side yeah. And 10% was the marketing, you know, strategy and consultation. And so I, I really became just a cranky, crankier <laughs> than I normally was. And now, now it's a, a lot, you know, now I have a couple of uh, partners that they run the, you know, they run the sales side of the equation and the accounting side of the equation. And it lets me focus and, ah, uh, it's a, it's a breath of fresh air that I can, I can, you know, work on my craft instead of something that I'm not, not uh, enjoying. Yeah, that's, that's exactly why I'm at Cornette. I've been here, you know, three and a half years now, and I've, I haven't been happier at an agency because of that very thing. You know, I, I don't want to work on the business side of things. I don't want to deal with numbers. I don't want to deal with payroll. I don't want to deal yeah. with, you know, the legalities of things. I just want to sit and create good work and, yeah. and have, have fun creating cool things with clients. And um, I do like managing my team a little bit, but not to the point of having to deal with thick HR issues and things like that. So, um, I'm in a place now where I get to develop strategies. I get to create, you know, creative concepts. I get to pitch ideas to clients and, uh, and that's what I like doing. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. And you see the fruits of your labor, which is even better. That is absolutely true. We, you know, it's kind of funny before I came to Cornette, my attitude was um, if you want to give me an award, give me an award, but I'm not going to, you know, pay to be in an award or nominate myself or anything like that. Cornette's always had a different mentality. They're a little bit bigger agency, you know, and so they've, they've always, you know, entered the Addy awards and things like that. And so I'm sitting here, you know, after a year and a half or two and they, Hey, Hey, Jason, you want a shorty award. And I was like, what? What do you mean I won a shorty award? I didn't nominate. Nobody nominated for me. They, yeah, we nominated you for this thing you did with influencer marketing. I'm like, oh, so I've won a shorty award. Well, that's cool. I didn't have to do it, so I didn't care. Um, <laughs> but when I got it, I was like, wow, that's kind of neat. Now I'm an award-winning influence strategist. That's nice. So Hey, that's fantastic. <laughs> well, well, tell me, uh, so, so we all have our, uh, you know, for people that don't utilize influencer marketing at all, they're probably thinking, uh, the Kardashians and selling makeup on uh, Instagram. Um, you know, maybe maybe talk a little bit about the evolution, and then and then what what really inspired you to to put this down, put down your strategy in a book for people to to capture. You know, it's funny the way you asked that question actually almost answers it because um, <laughs> two two things were happening at the same time a couple of years ago when I kind of got this idea to write this book. One was I kept seeing all these headlines from mainstream media outlets talking about influencers, and they always inevitably painted the influencers in a very negative light. It was always the Kardashians, the peace signs, the duck lips, the, you know, taking pictures of your food, very superficial, you know, faking some fabulous life that just makes everybody jealous. And that's what influencers are. And that is like 
one sliver of what influencers really are. That might be 10% of what's out there. Now it's the 10% that the, the media tends to pay attention to because it's the people who are trying to be famous. They're in Hollywood, they're beauty and style and, and fashion influencers who, um, you know, are trying to live that, you know, that Hollywood lifestyle. And so the media tends to pay attention uh, to them a little bit more than they pay attention to everything else. Well, everything else is like 80 to 90% of what's out there. And instead of being these, you know, superficial people who are, um, you know, photoshopping clouds and all their pictures and, you know, photoshopping blemishes off of their face and all that kind of stuff, you've got wonderful content creators who um, are, have expertise, subject matter expertise in niche topics who are building a community and building engagement with people around what they know and what they do. Um, you know, one of the examples I use in the book a lot is Derek Wolf at Over the Fire Cooking. This guy basically is an expert outdoor cooker. He grills over the fire and does it in a way that you just want to emulate what he's doing. He shows you how to rub the spices on and he shows you how to mix your vegetables in the right way and how to cook them and how far away from the flame and all this kind of stuff. And that's just useful stuff. And there's people who really want to aspire to be as good as he is at that, who are addicted to his content to the tune of about a million people, a million followers online are watching his stuff every day. He has nothing to do with peace signs and duck lips and superficiality and faking anything. He is very influential over a very nice sizable audience. And when you're a brand like Buffalo Trace Bourbon, who identifies with that sort of outdoor grilling, cooking, adventurous spirit, you know, he's a perfect, uh, you know, person who has lots of audience alignment with the audience that the bourbon's trying to reach. And so there's a great opportunity to partner there. And so Buffalo Trace Bourbon's one of my clients and we've, we've worked with them for several years here at Cornette. And we, when we first identified Derek, he didn't have quite a million followers, but we did a, a little bit of a sponsored post kind of trial run. Let's see if the audience likes it and his audience really liked us and, and our audience really liked him. And so it's like, okay, let's take it to a new level. And so we just kept building on it. And eventually, basically we, we built a, uh, an online web TV show around him called over the fire cooking presented by Buffalo trace and brought in a bunch of other influencers as guests and turned him into basically a, an outdoor cooking chef talk show host. Uh, to a degree, which, you know, helped up his game and build his platform and improve his content and put Buffalo Trace in front of a lot of other people. So when I see influence marketing happen like that, and then I see the mainstream media saying what they say about influencers, it just pisses me off. Yeah. Um, and that happened at the same time we were building some really cool case studies like the one with Derek here. And I'm like, wait a minute, I want to tell the story of how to do this really well. And I want to make sure that the business owners out there that are thinking that this is all about Kardashians and superficiality and they're not very effective, I want to show them that it absolutely can be. And so those two ideas came together and, and hence I wrote the book. That's fantastic. Well, uh, uh, my first comment on that is uh, kudos to Buffalo Trace for making one of the most affordable high-end bourbons that is absolutely delicious. <laughs> It, it is, it is very good. Um, and it's the kind of bourbon that you can, you can sip neat. Uh, yep. You can sip it on the rocks. You can put it in a cocktail. Um, and it, and it's not pretentious either. It's like, Hey, exactly. if, you, if you like us in a cocktail, drink us in a cocktail, man. As long as you're drinking Buffalo Trace, we don't care. A lot of the higher end bourbons are like, don't ever mix us with these things. It's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I drink all of them. <laughs> oh Yeah. But, but Buffalo Trace is uh, an amazing go-to, you know, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic bourbon. It's, it's good stuff, that's for sure. Well, 
if you're a company that's looking at uh, getting into influencer marketing, I mean, obviously the basis of this is what you just talked about, right? The shared audience, that that's an audience that might be interested in our product or service. And we want to marry the two. So we want to take, you know, and have this influencer that do they always have a captive audience already? And that's what brings the, you know, the alignment, or is it something where you could get someone that's, you know, well-known for a certain thing and help develop that brand? You know, it, it happens any and every way. And quite frankly, I would even say that, you know, part of the book, uh, you know, a, a big theme in the book is online influencers aren't the only option. They aren't the only thing you can look for. You can find people who are influential offline as long as they are able to persuade the audience you're trying to reach to take action, then they are a viable channel for you to influence that audience. And yeah. so, um, you know, one of the, the, the things that we did here that sort of inspired this thinking about influencer marketing a little differently, because I argue in the book that the term influencer has become kind of a bad word. And so my reframing of influencer marketing is to say, drop the R and let's focus on influence, because that's ultimately what we're trying to accomplish. We're trying to influence people. It's not about the channel or the person. It's about the action that we're trying to take. And one of the, the ways that I kind of, you know, kind of came about that idea is thinking about we had um, the University of Kentucky Healthcare Systems, one of our clients here. So it's a hospital and healthcare system in central Kentucky. And we were trying to motivate people to go watch a brand film. And, you know, who wants to watch a two minute movie about a hospital? That's kind of boring. Um, but it was a you know well done sort of dramatic cinematic cinematographic, uh, if that's a word, uh, approach to showing what uh, all of the areas of care and how good uh, that UK healthcare is and how it serves the community. And so it was a really good little two minute film. We put it on Facebook and we, we, we knew a little bit about the Facebook algorithm. If it's recent content, people, then that helps the, the organic lift. Um, if the people who are interacting with it are geographically tied to it or topically tied to it with their content and the other things they like, so there's a high degree of relevance, then that has something to do with how the organic lift happens. And then if the people who do uh, interact with it share it, and then their friends also share it and interact with it, that resonance happens. So recency, relevance, and resonance, we basically said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have online influencers in the area um, go to this piece of content within the first couple of hours of it posting and like it, comment, share on it, tell their UK healthcare story, hoping that there will be some, you know, relevance and some resonance that happens there. And certainly we'll hit the recency button, but we're not going to stop there. It's not about online influencers. We also turned to the community and said, okay, who influences the people in Lexington, Kentucky? So we found the mayor, uh, the president of the Urban League, the music director at the local Presbyterian church, a very popular local dentist, a very popular real estate agent. Doesn't matter if they have online influence or not. Doesn't matter if they have a lot of followers on Instagram or YouTube. What matters is, is that they're sharing that content online with whatever network they have and people are going to see what they're doing and they're going to follow that person's, uh, you know, lead and also interact with that content. So, and, add that to the 10,000 University of Kentucky healthcare employees that we said, Hey, we're going to launch this video tomorrow and we want you to go help us, you know, do yes. that. So within the first 24 hours, we had 40,000 views of the two minute film. And within the first 30 days, we had 800,000 views 
Lexington, Kentucky only has 320,000 people. So we, we hit almost 3x the population in views of this video because we weren't thinking about influencer marketing. We were thinking about influence marketing. We were looking at who influences this audience and it could be offline. It could be employees, uh, you know, friends and family. It could be online influencers as well. And so when you look at it from that sort of holistic perspective and you think about influence rather than influencers, now all of a sudden you're opening up doors that you didn't realize you had. So, so you didn't make a spreadsheet and count the number of followers? <laughs> no, we did not. Uh, we, <laughs> we, in fact, you know, if you think about it though, too, if you're looking, if we, even if we were just focused on online influencers, we're talking about a brand whose target audience is in central Kentucky. Somebody right. with 150,000 followers on Instagram isn't going to do me a damn bit of good because only 5% exactly. of their audience is going to be here, even if they are here. Right. Exactly. So I need people. I mean, okay. John Calipari, the head coach of the UK basketball team, he's going to be a big win for us because people in Kentucky will do basically anything. He said, well, not this year because they didn't make the tournament, but um, <laughs> people in Kentucky will follow his lead. Right. So he's going to be a big dog and he works for the same, you know, technically the same company, the, the same brand university of Kentucky. So we got him involved. He was one of our, our online influencers. Um, but again, you know, we looked at some of these, you know, local bloggers and local whatnot who might've had 5,000 followers or 10,000 followers. We weren't obsessed with the numbers because we knew we just needed people who reached our geographic footprint, not the rest of the world. I love that. I, I, uh, back in the, back in the day, I'm going to sound <laughs> like an old man here, but, uh, you know, they, here in Indianapolis, they did the Indy 500 once and they had a, uh, they had a race day where they, they basically did a descending order by follower of people on Twitter in Indianapolis. Oh <laughs> and, uh, and they invited, you know, probably about 30 of us and there was free, free food and free booze. So we all showed up, right. A bunch of, sure. a bunch of poor, poor ass social media consultants. I was going to say, uh, <laughs> and the most hilarious thing that happened was like three, you know, uh, formula drivers walked in the door and nobody knew who they were. <laughs> not a single so nobody bothered them nobody took pictures with them yeah. nobody shared them online like it was the biggest and it was and it was really funny because i asked the question when they invited me i i said i i don't have a clue i i have no idea anything yeah. about you know racing or or you know why why would you ask me and then um and then i i actually got to meet the team afterwards and they they knew that they, you know, they had obviously blown it. Um, at the time though, they didn't know that, right. They didn't have your yeah, book. And it was a long time ago. Yeah. And influencer <laughs> marketing literally was, you know, whoever has a large following invite them, you know, yeah. but I, but I showed them where there were people in town that had like 500 followers mm -hmm. and they were die hard. Oh yeah. Die hard, uh, race fans. They had been, you know, they had been to the track for 40 years straight and, uh, they had these micro groups of people that literally met for like, you know, six o'clock AM, you know, drinks, you know, bef before the day started and everything else. And I was like, those people have far more influence than I do. Absolutely. Far more. You know? I actually, I actually developed a strategy for a brand one time and, and they kind of looked at me funny. They didn't, and this was probably about the same time, 2008 or whatever. And they, they didn't really have any idea what I was, what I was explaining to them. And, and, and what I said was, if we have, 
basically a CRM program where we know where our most, you know, avid customers, our most, our repeat customers are, we know who they are and we can connect their social accounts so that we can see, you know, their social content as they feed it in. And this wasn't an alcohol brand. I said, if we can see that a group of people who are big enthusiasts of our brand are getting together in, uh, you know, Carmel, Indiana on Saturday night, let's send the CEO up there to just buy everybody drinks. It'll blow their minds. Yep. And those six or eight people who don't have huge followings online are going to talk about that for years. They're going to tell that story over and over and over again. You do that five or six times in a year and you don't need to worry about a whole lot of marketing because those stories are going to spread. Now they looked at me like I had two heads um, and they didn't do it, but I'm, 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 I'm still trying to kind of build that rapport with a brand that will say, you know what? I kind of like that idea. Let's try it and see what happens. I think you're dead on. I think it's absolutely, you'll get more, you'll get more sharing, more storytelling. Like you said, it'll be repeat. Uh, mm-hmm. It'll last longer. Um, I oh, totally agree. I, I I love that. Well, the other, the other thing that you had brought up just a second ago that I, I wanted to scream and cheer for was you talked about um, employee advocacy there mm-hmm. that you actually included the employees in there. I, I remember I saw uh, back when uh, Mark Schaefer wrote his book on Twitter, um, mm-hmm. he was talking about uh, FedEx and I don't mean to throw people under the table on this, on this, but you know, he was saying how FedEx has like, I don't know, it's crazy, like 120,000 employees worldwide, yeah. you know, or something like that. And they would tweet something and they would get 34 retweets. <laughs> <laughs> And, and his point was how dedicated and, you know, uh, are the employees to the brand and the brand to Twitter, if they're not utilizing, you got to, if you have 120,000 employees, you got to have 10,000 that love you to death. Sure. Right. You know, and his point was, what are you, what are you doing? Why aren't you utilizing these people? You know? Well, and I think today we're just starting to see companies get to the point to where they do understand that and they are implementing things like that. You know, we, when you're talking about, again, you know, we're old school. So we go back to 2007, 2008, when brands didn't really even know what social media was and they were just trying to figure it out. And, you know, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway people were like, well, let's just invite everybody with a lot of followers. Well, if you ask them about how they would go about that today, they would say, well, we're going to find, you know, 50 people who are really enthusiastic about the topic because we want to be contextual as well. It's not just about how many followers you have. It's about, do you have influence within this realm? And so, you know, back then Doug Carr didn't have any influence on, you know, people who love auto racing. Um, I probably would have been a better option for him at that point because at least I had a sports background, but I didn't have an auto racing or formula one background. So I wouldn't have been a good choice either. Um, But but certainly they've learned their lesson now and companies are starting to come around where employee advocacy is a big deal. I had Ronnie Monty from Adobe on my podcast not too long ago, and she's built out some incredible employee advocacy uh, you know, strategies at Adobe where they have thousands of employees that are supporting their various brand efforts on social media because they engage them and say, hey, you've got a role in the marketing of this company and here's what we would like for you to do to help us. And so they're getting a, a much better, you know, head of steam uh, in their marketing world because they've got this employee advocacy group that is, you know, trying to propel them forward on, on the social web. And so you're not going to see a lot of that when you go back to 2008, 2009, but it's starting to get better. It's taken a long time, unfortunately, but it's starting to get better. 
I've watched some of uh, some of Adobe's work there. Uh, you know, they've they've done like these kind of lunch and learn videos on, you know, they pick a project and they have a couple of employees. You can tell that these employees are not public speakers or anything, mm-hmm. you know, but they basically pick a project and start walking through how they do it and everything. And it's fascinating. It's 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 really fascinating. So, yeah, Adobe does a, a spectacular job at it. Let's um, let's jump to influence because it's a word that uh, I hate almost as much as engagement. Um, <laughs> I always tell, tell people that, you know, if someone, if someone replies to my tweet online, it doesn't mean that I'm engaged to her. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> you know, and, and I feel like influence is, is a similar approach that people, people may be influential where they might be. Um, uh, maybe they are, uh, combative and debative online or, mm-hmm. or, or are they, they're controversial online or mm-hmm. they're, you know, they, they throw out the best memes online, <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily align with influencing someone to actually, you know, make a product purchase or, or, or get into the buying cycle of your product or service. Right. That's true. And th- those two things are, are related, but they're not the same. So you obviously want to work with influential people when you are focusing on online influencers. You want to work with people who do drive good engagement, who get their audience, you know, lathered up about what they're talking about, good or bad, frankly, because sometimes even the bad will work depending upon your perspective. But you want people with good engagement rates because the worst thing you can do is engage an influencer that doesn't motivate their audience to do anything. Mm -hmm. You at least want to know that they can motivate their audience to respond and have a conversation and like the post and share the post and all that kind of stuff. But when you really get into analyzing the content, and that's the one thing that I think brands don't understand about influence marketing is it's not about buying a tool and getting a list and reaching out to those 25 people and engaging them to do your thing. It's about you know, using the software to say, okay, who are the candidates? And now let's dive into the content manually and look and see who is really driving engagement and who do we think can really be persuasive in getting this audience to do what we want them to do. Um, Do they handle sponsored content well? Do they talk, you know, do they work well with brands? Does their audience seem to respond to the sponsored content? You know, you've got to get in and really see at a granular level, whether or not these people can actually persuade their audience to take action. When you do that, you're going to discover that there's going to be plenty of people out there who have lots of followers who don't really engage their audience well. You're going to have people who have lots of followers who have pretty good engagement, but they're not very persuasive. And then you're going to find those that are, they have lots of followers, or maybe they don't have lots of followers, but they have really good engagement and they can persuade their audience. And those are the ones that you really want to partner with. Going back to a previous point we were talking about earlier, I don't even think follower count matters anymore because what you really want to do is you want to find people who have high engagement rates with the audience they do have and who create great content because you can always put paid spend behind great content and get it in front of whoever the hell you want. And it's going to work way better for you than anything else you're doing because it's going to come from that sort of trusted third party, even if the audience ultimately doesn't know who that trusted third party is. They're going to click, they're going to look, they're going to Google, they're going to figure out, oh, wow, this is a really creative, uh, you know, content creator on YouTube and they're doing really fantastic stuff. And this brand uh, is, you know, partnering with them to do stuff. And I really enjoy the content. Now, all of a sudden, you've broken down that barrier of, you know, sponsored skepticism and they're starting to engage with the topics and the content. at hand. That's uh, a sage advice. And I, and I would throw myself... Um, you know, I'm obviously, uh, on a number of these lists for, 
you know, MarTech and, and, and B2B sales and marketing mm-hmm. software. And I tame a lot of people that come at me for influencer marketing. And I push back and I say, look, I am not the guy that's going to drive someone instantly to a sale. I'm a guy that'll drive curiosity. I'm a, dri- a guy that'll, you know, uh, help you with your brand awareness or pop it up. But I am definitely not the guy that's going to just drive, you know, dozens of, you know, purchases, you know, within, sure. you know, within months. And I tell people, if you, if you want an engagement like that with me, we're going to have to work on it for a year yeah. because those are the, that's when it'll filter through to the diehard, you know, followers that I have, but that, it's a. That's very true. And I would say too, in the B2B space, for those of you out there who are thinking about that from a B2B brand perspective, B2B influencers are less about driving conversions and more about aligning with your brand. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if I am a, uh, a marketing software or a sales software company, or even just something in the technology space that aligns with, um, you know, th- those general areas, and I engage Doug Carr, I'm engaging Doug Carr because I know that Doug Carr, either using my product or talking about my product is going to make me align with the quality of content and the quality of recommendations that he always makes. I'm not right. necessarily looking looking to you to drive conversions. I'm looking to you to just make your, sure your audience knows, hey, I'm using this software and I really enjoy it. It's actually worthwhile. You should give it a shot. Get, take a look at it. Um, yeah. And that's that's what I'm going to expect out of a relationship with you. That's fantastic. Any other uh, words of advice from an influencer standpoint? So let's say you do have a captive audience and they are engaged and you're, you're seeing good results. How do you, how do you get discovered? Do you proactively seek out brands and seek out opportunities? I think so. I mean, I think uh, in this day and age when there's so much noise out there and you really, you know, brands are having a hard time finding the right signal, no matter what software they're using, no matter how hard they're looking. I think if you have a brand that you just are really passionate about, that you know that you can genuinely represent well and communicate well to your audience, reach out to them and say, hey, I really love you guys. I'd love to see if we could come up with a a partnership, a way that we can collaborate together. I can create some content for you. You guys can, you know, have, you know, access or give opportunities to my audience to engage with your brand as well. I think you go looking for it. Um, And I think you, uh, and, but I would also say that you have to remember that what brands are typically looking for, what smart brands are typically looking for is they're looking for some degree of accountability that you can move the needle for them. It may be that they want you to help them drive sales and conversions, but it may be that they just want you to help create awareness and enthusiasm around the brand. So go to them and say, well, if the first question, if somebody pitches me as a, an agency representative of brands, if they come to me and say, hey, I'm an influencer and I've got this audience and I want to work with one of your brands. If the first thing they say to me is, um, I love, I can create some really fun content. I'm automatically not interested. If the first thing they say to me is, what are your goals? What are you trying uh, to accomplish here? What's your business objectives? Because I think I can figure out a way to help you accomplish them with my audience. I know I got somebody who's good because they, they're thinking about my needs and my business and what I need to get out of it. And at the same time, I'm going to turn around and say, okay, well, what do you need to get out of this? How can we partner together so I can help you? So if you both have that, what's in it for the other person in mind, we're right. going to start to find a, a, some common ground. that's going to be really good. So my idea for Buffalo Trace then is. 
That's good. I like it. <laughs> I, I, was, I was joking with some friends and, and we'll we'll close this up and and uh and talk about where to find the book and, and how to get a hold of you. But I was talking to some friends that we've always been checking to do it. Uh but but you know, you've seen the drunk history on yep. on like comedy channel. We were talking about <laughs> how we really need a drunk marketing show. And oh, let's do it. I'm it's so literally there. you gotta you gotta get lit. And then yep. you're going to hear the real stories. I'm going to, I'll Mark. tell you, I, I can tell you right now, I will reasonably predict if I'm ever on a show like that, at least five people will never speak to me again. <laughs> <laughs> that's, and that's why we've never taken that to market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can get in trouble real quick. I actually kind of funny. I did. I hosted a roast of Chris Brogan several years ago. Oh. And, and, you know, at a roast, you know, the whole thing is you're just insulting people, but you only roast people you love and it's all out of respect and it's fun. And if you're into comedy at all, you get it. If you're yeah. not into comedy at all, you don't get it and you don't appreciate it. <laughs> and let me tell you, I told some jokes that night that some people did not appreciate. So, oh no, oh yeah. There's a couple of them that haven't talked, haven't spoken to me to this day because I pissed <gasps> off so bad. and I was completely oh. just, you know, just having fun and, People were dishing it out to me too. We had a lot of fun that night, but there were a couple of people who didn't quite get the concept and did not want to be the butt of someone's joke, especially mine. So, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Well, you are always welcome to make fun of me, however you would like online. Uh, we will, uh, uh, and and then once once we're allowed out of our houses and we can get back together, I got to get I got to get down there for another bourbon tour and. Yeah. And come and come say hi and everything. So uh, for everybody listening, where can people find the book? Uh, the book is e most easily found uh, certainly on Amazon. Winfluencebook.com will take you to the landing page on my website where I route you to either Amazon or Barnes Noble or where you know, Entrepreneur Press, wherever you want to buy it. Um, right. And my website's jasonfalls.com. You can find everything there. My podcasts that I host and all that good stuff. And I'm Jason Falls all over the internet. Internet, I'm really easy to find. And there's a politician in North Carolina with the same name who hates me. So, <laughs> and then, uh, and then your agency that you're with? Yeah, Cornette. So, uh, Cornette is at teamcornette.com. And we're typically Team Cornette on the social networks. We actually, I host a, um, on Tuesdays at 11 o'clock Eastern time, eight o'clock Pacific time, I host a live stream on Cornette's Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter channels where I interview, you know, marketing leaders, creative leaders from around, uh, around the world uh, and talk about making creativity your business advantage, which is kind of our little thing. Um, so I'd love to have uh, folks come by and watch the show. It's called Digging Deeper. Uh, it's also ripped off as a podcast afterwards. So I'd love to have you guys come by and say hello when we're live streaming. Fantastic. Well, I will put all of those links into the show notes. Uh, Jason, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your advice with us and uh for people like i said go out there and buy winfluence and uh and and really start to dig into what influence marketing is rather than influencer marketing so thanks for having me doug i appreciate being on the show man. subscribe at martech.zone sponsorships and marketing services are available through dknewmedia.com